Hey everybody, this is RPM of the Fickle Fanboy Show. The slow burn podcast that covers everything from movies to comic books to comic book movies. And you're listening to the Gravity Beard Podcast. But after you're done listening to them, come on over and check me out. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else. My my fan know me, call me uh, the Asian King because I like I said I said there's only one Elvis, but there could be many kings. It's time to check show. Welcome everyone to the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is episode twenty-two. We're recording today in Studio G. Thank you, as always, to our listeners. We appreciate your continued support. This is our first attempt at what's called narrative journalism. Today, I'm going to steal a page out of the playbook of Ira Glass at This American Life. The episode will include three stories, and each will be linked to the one before. If you have a great wedding story or a time you met a famous or interesting person, email us at contactthebeard at gmail.com. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. Act 1, The Origin Story. Every year around the holidays, there's this company that does a music video lip-syncing to a pop song. Last year, they went 80s retro and did Footloose by Kenny Loggins. They actually do a great job, and it's hilarious. In response to the video, I sent an email to a few people over there that I knew, and here's the email. To my friends at TRC, I put lights on the house, put up the tree, the stockings, the mistletoe. I've maxed out my credit cards Christmas shopping. I've sent out Christmas cards, tied antlers to the dog's head, told my toddlers there is no Santa, taken lewd pictures of the elf on the shelf and posted them on multiple social media platforms just to get cheap laughs and a few likes. I've even watched White Christmas, Christmas Vacation, Sound of Music, Trading Places, and Die Hard at least three times each. I've done all these things, and yet I still wasn't able to feel the rush that always comes with the holiday season. I was afraid that perhaps my heart was actually two sizes too small. And then... The annual TRC Christmas video arrived in my email inbox. You guys nailed it again. Love the retro spin. It instantly took me back to junior high and the painful taunting I received as I unsuccessfully tried to emulate Kevin Bacon and Chris Penn, RIP, 1965 to 2006. You died too young. I'm suddenly overcome by the holiday spirit. My heart grew three sizes by the end of the video. Can't wait for next year. In the meantime, let's do some deals together so I can pay down my credit card balance, if only a little. Happy holidays to all of you. A couple of them responded that they thought the email was the funniest response they'd ever gotten to the video. To me, that was a small indicator that I could entertain people with my writing. So a couple months later, I decided to start the Gravity Beard blog. I wrote several articles, but it only lasted four or five weeks for reasons I won't explain here. But four months later, we relaunched it as a podcast. But when I was trying to come up with a name for my blog, I remembered Gravity Beard. I already had the domain name. I had Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages, and I was ready to go. Today you'll meet Tommy. He lives in Dallas and was one of the first supporters of our little project. I met him and his band of friends 10 years ago when they were all in high school, and about a year ago, Tommy and I started working together. He's an avid follower of Gravity Beard. He read the blog when we were publishing articles and migrated to the podcast when it started. Tommy's a good example of how most people consumed the Gravity Beard blog. 
I see all the all the articles as they come out, and then just depending on the the reading time, then you know I'll read I'll read. But he wouldn't read every article. I think I'm like I have like a hard a hard seven minute limit. So if it's going to take longer than seven minutes, then then it may not. Unless it's a really interesting topic. Sometimes I feel guilty now that we're both in here and you're listening to me <laughs> explain to you why I'm not reading the book. If it's under, or if it's like a good two to five minutes, especially, I'll knock that out real quick. If it's over five, then it just kind of depends. We had a special feature that Tommy and other readers took advantage of in making the decision if they were going to read each article. You have an estimated reading time right at the top. (laughs) Let's people know the kind of commitment. And I think that may be the most important thing. Sometimes I look at the time and not even look at the title. I read anything that you write as long as it doesn't take too long. Back then, the blog had exploded and literally had tens and tens of followers that eagerly anticipated the release of the next article. Truthfully, there may have only just been the 110, and two or three of those were regular readers. But regardless, when we shut things down only a few weeks in, Tommy and the others were consumed with depression over the loss. I was. I was pretty bummed. You know, I didn't have anything to fill up my two to five minute windows. <laughs> it left them with an unexpected challenge they weren't faced with before. So now, you know, the last couple months, I've just been walking around really frustrated whenever I get <laughs> little bits of free time because I have nothing to fill it with. How did they deal with this prior to Gravity Beard's existence? Before, I probably just would have looked out the window or, you know, sang a song or something. <laughs> <laughs> probably not singing songs. So if he and others were such dedicated followers, was it because the content was so captivating? Uh, I do remember the one that you wrote about marriage. It's right around the time that I was getting married. I can't tell you much of the details in the article, but I do remember that you did write an article about that. Was it impacting their lives in profound ways? I remember having that feeling at the time, despite my lack of carrying that knowledge over into today's afternoon talk. So, as you can see, the Gravity Beard blog deeply impacted countless numbers of person. And it occurred to me that if a blog can do that, imagine what a podcast can do. If not for the blog, Tommy would have been completely lost heading into his marriage, but he wasn't. And it started off with a ceremony like few others have experienced. Act 2, The Wedding. In 2013, the estimated population of Laotian Americans was 246,000. That's 0.08% of the total U.S. population. The largest concentration is in the Bay Area in California. The Dallas metro area has the sixth highest concentration. Tommy's mom is part of that 0.08%. Tommy is very American and not very Laotian. His wife isn't Laotian at all. But his mom wanted him to have a traditional Laotian wedding. He explains what that looked like. Basically, lots of other Asian people came in town and spoke to each other in their native tongue and kind of pointed and directed me around and somewhat loosely gave me some direction and made me drink a lot of Hennessy and I had to wear uh, very shiny garments as well as my wife having to too. And then a couple friends got some of their own shiny garments, which was fun. Uh, we definitely all looked the part, but it was a it was a weird experience. As you can imagine, there really aren't large concentrations of Laotians anywhere in the United States. So for most people like Tommy's mom, they assimilate and move into traditional American suburbs. And neighborhoods like that are not used to a wedding like this. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see some of the neighbors were invited, so they were part of the procession. So the way that it worked was I, all the men, had to go down the street and basically march to what would have been 
the the wife's parents' house or my wife's parents' house, but it was just my mom's house because she was the one to do the party. So got it. I had to. Some of the male neighbors were with us, and uh, they looked about as clueless as I felt. And the other ones, you could kind of see, like in the windows, people were kind of trying to see what was going on because my uncle Uncle Elvis was being very loud <laughs> and roaring down the street like Tarzan and then everyone else started doing it and so people people took notice I think I mean, it was like on a Saturday afternoon too so everyone's perhaps you heard him refer to a person called Uncle Elvis this caught my attention as well I insisted that he elaborate at least a little bit my uncle who is a a famous Laotian Elvis impersonator. I think within the Laotian community, he's very revered. When he was at the wedding, he just sang, I don't know if they're his own Laotian songs, but they were all, they all seem to be customary songs. All the women there knew the words. <laughs> this seems like a good time to take a break. When we come back, we meet Uncle Elvis. For most people, if you get married, you're probably going to have kids. And kids can be incredibly difficult, especially when they're younger. But for all the difficulty, they can also be quite entertaining. And if you aren't exploiting your children for your own entertainment, you're missing out. Okay, so so Liam, it sounded like you were in the other room and, and you got upset. Can you tell me why you got upset? Because Noah threw a pretzel at my head. Noah threw a pretzel at your head? Yeah. How exactly did that happen? What, what were you doing? I was gonna hit this ball and then no take away and then I take then he throwed it then I take it away then then no one threw the printer on my head. Oh I see. So did did you did you do anything that might cause him to want to throw a pretzel at your head? Um no. Oh. How how close was he when he threw the pretzel at your head? Um, was he was he pretty close, uh, or was he kind of far away? Kind of far away. So it must have been a pretty good throw for him to. I mean, that's pretty accurate for him to throw a pretzel and hit you in the head. That's pretty impressive, right? Uh huh. Mhm. All right. Well, I'm sorry that that happened. Is your head okay? Do we need to take you to the emergency room? What's the emergency room? That's where you go when you get hurt really seriously. Is it a really serious injury? Do we, need yeah. to t- do we need to take you to the hospital? No. No? Do you think you'll make a full recovery? Yeah. Should we rush you into surgery? No. What about stitches? Do you think you need stitches? Uh-uh. What about a giant Band-Aid on your head? Uh-uh. All right. I just want to make sure we're offering you as much medical care as necessary. I'm actually okay. Oh, you're actually okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. All right, well, I'm sorry you got hit in the head with a pretzel. Act three, the Elvis impersonator. Tommy's uncle doesn't live in Dallas. He traveled in for the wedding. But Tommy helped me get in touch with him. I've never met a Laotian Elvis impersonator. In fact, I've never met any kind of Elvis impersonator for that matter. But I was determined to meet this one. So I gave him a call. Okay. All right, Tommy, you there? Yes, I'm here. Great. Okay, let me me check one more thing and then we'll do the interview. Tavi, where should we start? What do you want people to know about you that they may not already? Well, I am, first of all, I am, uh, I think not many people know, I am an architect, okay, and I sing. 
music is my philosophy essentially because I I speak five languages. All right, so music is one of those languages that intrigue me because it is international language. We listen to the same tune, and it doesn't matter what I said. It's the movement, it's the melody that that moves people. Here's a question: Where do you look if you're trying to find the world's most famous Laotian Elvis impersonator? The answer: Portland, of course. Second question: How did you end up there? We came in '75, uh, and we stopped at Arkansas for a month. Because of the Vietnam War, there was a massive wave of refugees in the 1970s out of Laos, Cambodia, and other parts of Southeast Asia. Tavi and his family were part of that wave. They were collected and quarantined at Fort Chaffee, a military base in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Your ultimate destination was Ohio, or so you thought. And we stayed in Ohio for a couple years, but it was too cold, man. It's way too cold for our, way too cold for our, uh, our people. And our destination was after two years, we decided we we're going to move west because, well, to quote my father, he thinks that, well, we fit in better in, uh, in, uh, in California. So you headed towards the Bay Area of California, but plans changed when you got to Oregon. And Oregon was the pit stop, and we came to Oregon in 77. And that's when we decided, you know, the weather is pretty good, it's comparable, and we've been here ever since. So, where did your love of music come from? I, I love music uh, as a kid uh, because it, it, music somehow, some way, connect with me. Uh, it changed how I feel. It, I think, it moved me in, in many ways of when you, it uplifts you somehow. And although I listen to a variety of music, I listen to Japanese, Chinese because uh, I grew up in Southeast Asia. We have all influences, so I listen to all, all types of music. If you're a teenager when you moved to America in 1977, how do you get hooked on Elvis when it's been 10 to 15 years since he appealed to a younger audience? You know, it's funny because my mom, because Elvis is reached all over the world. My mom would always talk about Envis. You know, that's how they announce it. They don't say its name properly. So I always hear about Envis, Envis. So when we came to America, for the first time I saw his concert on, on live television. And something happened while he was watching this performance on TV. It gripped him in a way he wasn't expecting. I think somewhere it clicks as a fan. Not, 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 I, don't, I don't intend to sing as a fan. And the music... To me, anyway, he is the world's greatest entertainer. When, when a guy, a man can sing and make you cry emotionally, that is power. Okay, that is power. So just a few years later, he started performing music. Fluent in five languages, he would perform at weddings and other special events. So when did you start performing an Elvis tribute and why? I've been doing my live performance since 1982. Came to America in 1975, and he was alive. I was almost at his last concert. And ever since then, uh, I've always been a fan. And this Elvis evolution in my life happened about 15 years ago. That's when a friend of Tavi's approached him and asked him what he knew about Elvis and challenged him to create the tribute act to the king. Something I was dying to know was what are the music influences of someone who comes to America as a teenage refugee from Laos and has a mother who's a huge Elvis fan? I, I listen to a lot of older material. Uh, like the 70s and uh, the early 60s, I listened to a lot of rock and roll. I listened to the Beatles because I think the Beatles, you know, uh, people do not understand really how great and how creative those those guys are, are songwriters. You know, uh, so the Beatles, I like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of rock group. Uh, Errol Smith has always been my favorite. And in fact, you know, uh, even some harder material like, you know, like mid-80s, Scorpion and those. So I, I'm into the, the, the rock scene. He was amused when I suggested he start a Scorpions cover band. 
<laughs> well, you know, they, uh, because the singing, the, the style of the Scorpion, the singing style is so harsh. I'll probably do like one song, two songs a night, and I'm done. So does your wife share your love for Elvis? And what does she think of your act? Oh, she, she is, and she is also my biggest fan. She understands uh, the situation sometimes you know, when I'm on the road. I do this and do that, and she understands. I think we have a mutual understanding that uh, music is part of my life, and I'm glad that she's part of it, and uh, she is supportive. Yes. So your mom's a huge Elvis fan. She must be thrilled at what you're doing. I, lo- I love my mama. Uh, she's my biggest fan. In fact, I, she would probably is the one who started the fire. Uh, she loves to sing, and she would sing me... Uh, when I was little, and I think the bugs never stop. And I think uh, today, every time I have an opportunity on stage, I would dedicate songs to my mom. What about your dad? Well, you know, he at first he thought it was, he thought it was a silly idea because, you know, there's three people say, well, you know, is, Elvis is not Asian. Do you know that? <laughs> he asked me that question. And said, you know, and my response was, like, you know, uh, I know what you're thinking. Just open your heart and believe I'm there. Tavi is careful to point out that he is not an Elvis impersonator. He doesn't act that is a tribute to the king, but he does have great respect and admiration for those in the community that are considered impersonators. They're incredible, and, you know. You know, performers. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I lost. I go, wow. You know, I, I forget that those are impersonators. Sure. Sometimes I get goosebumps watching them. You know, and, and the whole thing, the whole impersonating thing, is so fascinating to me because how many years the man has passed and he's more popular than ever. Yes, and uh, you know, and I'm so glad that I'm part of that culture. But like I said, uh, I'm looking more towards uh, where they go from here. That, and, you know, the, the whole, my, my fan known me, called me uh, the Asian king. Because, I, like I said, I said, there's only one Elvis, but there could be many kings. But if there can be indeed be many kings, I have to ask, are there any other Laotians doing what you're doing? I think there was a gentleman in France, I believe. Uh, I met him once. We, I, I had a special, special event up here in Portland for a, a legendary song, songwriter from Laos. I did a big show for him, and we have all different performers all over America. The Laotian performer that is, and then one of the performers was from France. He was traveling. Tavi acknowledges his French counterpart's existence, but doesn't take him very seriously. My, I went the extreme end, and he just he he's having fun. One thing that is a priority for Tavi is that he puts on the best show possible. He wants his fans to be emotionally swept up in the performance, to be moved by the music. He almost always succeeds at this mission, sometimes with dramatic results. Well, one, one thing uh, I remember is funny because I was at, uh, at a casino down in uh, California, uh, Cash Creek Casino, and I was a guest. I was a hit, one of the headliners to perform, and I came out to the uh, Nervous song. And he, he's Caucasian. I, I think he's like uh, about 60, early 60 or mid-60, I'm not sure. And I was on stage. It was my first time really, at the casino. So it's, it's big time in terms of exposure-wise. And the song came out, and I did my, my thing. Halfway through the song, he dropped on the floor. Like, they were dancing. There were people dancing. And I saw the man just drop. He just vanished from my eyesight. He dropped on the floor. And they go, oh, great. My first big gigs, and, you know, someone died on me. And, you know, he, he, was, he dropped on the floor. He was convulsing. He was on the ground. He's shaking all over. And... I go, wait, and I, I have to keep my concentration because the song, you know, the show must go on. And the end of the song, he stood up and said, you know, and then uh, I asked him, are you okay? So he was having fun. He was having a blast. He said, you know, this, uh, he, had, he never had so much fun in, in, until now. I thought, oh, that's great. And he shake my hand and we took some pictures. So if you've been a fan of Elvis's for 40 years, and for the past 15 years you've been doing a tribute to the man, 
then surely you've been to Graceland, right? No, I've not. That is my ultimate mecca. <laughs> that is my ultimate me- uh, mecca. Whatever I do before I go uh, before I go out, that's where I'm going to go. I want to make sure that I'm there. The great thing about Tavi is that he's not just a talented singer and performer. Each time he gets on stage, he has a greater goal in mind. See, like you know, right now there's a big political thing, you know, in Laos, you know, all over the world. And for me, I stay away from politics in general because I unite people with my music. Because when I when I'm out on stage, when you listen to my music, it doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, we are one. Because it doesn't matter black, white, Chinese, we are dancing to the same tune. Because to me, politics divides. You know, brother argue, wife, husband, sisters, friends. So I say, you know, I don't do, I don't touch that stuff. This is. My my goal is to unite people with music. So perhaps there's only one question left to ask. You're in your late fifties. You have plenty of years left ahead of you. So will you continue, or will you hang it up at some point? Oh, it's with me until the day I'm gone. Because you know, it it is not it is not a fling. It's not just a passion. It is my philosophy. Also, actually, my religion. Tavi, tell us what to search on SoundCloud so we can find you. You can search for Tavi Tamasuk Chen, T-H-A-V-Y-T-H-A-M-M-A-S-O-U-K, and C-H-E-U-N. Well, Tavi, thank you for being on the Gravity Beard Podcast. We really appreciate it. Well, yeah, thank you. I hope I speak well enough so people understand. Sometimes I have a tendency to speak real fast, and and sometimes people will miss what I said. So, But again, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And off he went. On to his next performance as the world's most famous Laotian impersonator. Or tribute act, rather. And off we go as well. We've come to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. Before we go, we have some exciting news. Gravity Beard has hired an intern. He's from Bangladesh, and his name is Shubrata Tanbir? Hmm. I'll probably just call him Kenny. He doesn't speak English, and he has very strange eating habits, but I think it's going to work out great. Welcome aboard, Kenny. You can listen to the Gravity Beard podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else you consume podcasts, or you can find us at gravitybeard.com and on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Gravity Beard. If you want to email us, it's contactthebeard at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Here's some music credits. Our opening theme song is In the Mix by Jake Dexter. Find him all over the internet by searching Jake Dexter or Jake Dexter Music. During Act 1, we used Heliotrope by Blue Dot Sessions from the album Aeronaut. In Act 2, you heard Swan Song by Paper Navy from the album All Grown Up, CC by NCSA 3.0 US. You also heard Take Me Higher by Jazar from the album Tumbling Dishes Like Old Man's Wishes, CC by SA 4.0. Our mini-segment featured another song by Blue Dot Sessions called An Opus in A-Flat from their album Blue Nocturnal, CC by NC 4.0. Act 3 featured the song Drifting Spade by Blue Dot Sessions from the album Cruzville. That's hard to say. CC by NC 4.0. All of the above can be found at freemusicarchive.org. And finally, we use Devil in Disguise, Can't Help Falling in Love, and Viva Las Vegas, all by the one and only Tommy Chin, the Asian King. Search for him by name on SoundCloud and Facebook, or on Twitter by searching Asian King. We have so many great things in the works, besides a sprinkling of sports, We'll have the story of Jake Dexter, the performer of our theme song, Technology Talk with My Dad, and a new miniseries we called Who is Barbara Glennon? 
Thank you for listening. Until next time, this is the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This is the Gravity Beard Crabcast. Before, I probably just would have looked out the window or you know, sang a song. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. And we stayed in Ohio for a couple of years. But it was too cool, man. It's way too cool for our, way too cool for our, uh, our people. Maybe you should also add a, uh, a Laotian Scorpion cover band. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, because the singing, the, the style of the Scorpion, the singing style is so harsh. I'll probably do like one song, two songs a night, and I'm done. And they go, oh, great. My first big gig, and, you know, someone died on me. My, my fan known me, called me uh, the Asian King. Because, I, like I said, I said, it's only one Elvis, but there could be many kings. Seven more.